Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Everybody doing all right this morning? Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? It's a wonderful time of worship and, and just in his presence. Last week, we, um, you know, all year we've been talking about the supernatural. We, we, it was the word the Lord gave us for 2019, just that 2019 would be a supernatural year. It would be a year when, uh, the super, that we walk in the supernatural just like we do in the natural and that, um, you know, in talking about the supernatural, we, we uh, define that as, you know, in the broadest sense. I mean, there's a lot to that, but in one of the broadest senses, we define that as, um, we define it as just anything that has to do with God. You know, as, if, it has to, if God is involved in it, then it's supernatural. And if we, you know, when we do things in our own strength, our own ability, then, you know, we kind of take God out of the equation. If, if your life, if you're living your life and you're able to live your life without God, then, then you are not living a supernatural life. You know, if, uh, and the way God desires and what God desires for all of us is for us to be dependent upon Him in every area of our life. Not just, not just the big things. A lot of times we, we want God to be involved in the big things, but God wants to be involved in the little things as well. And, you know, He wants to be involved in every area of our life. So, so we're looking at, you know, we've looked at ways um, to walk in the supernatural lifestyle. We've, we've looked at uh, how it takes faith to, to walk in the supernatural, you know, without faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. So if we're going to be pleasing to God and we're going to walk in the supernatural, we know that we have to have faith to do that. Secondly, we, we looked at that for about a month or so, and then we, then we started looking at the power of our words, how that, you know, once our faith, once you, get, once you get a grip on your faith, the first thing that your faith is going to start affecting is going to be your words. You know, and if you, and, and you know, I love Mark Hankins, he has the, the, the little nugget that says that if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, It'll never move your mountain. Amen. Because because if, if you're if if you uh, if you don't believe in God enough to speak His word, then the problems that you have in your life are going to stay there. You know because because if you're not speaking if you're not saying the same thing God says if you're saying uh, the, what the world says and agreeing with what the world says then there's no there's no question that that God is going to have a hard time moving in your life because. Because, you know, our words carry power. Our words carry weight. So not only do we have to have faith, but our words have to line up with our faith as well. Amen? And then last week we started, we kind of shifted gears again, still looking at the supernatural, but we started talking about um, the power of our identity, who we are in Christ. Because, you know, you can have faith in God, and you can even be saying the, the, the same thing that God is saying, but if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know what God wants you to be, if you don't know who God has designed you to be, um, and you don't, you know, you're not sure of your identity, and, and one thing we're going to look at this morning is the difference between the, uh, you know, really the gospel, the, the whole, the whole Bible, you could really, you could really narrow, narrow the Bible down to a story about two men. And those two men is this, the first Adam and the last Adam. And you see, and, and the question is, who do you identify with? Where is, where is your identification? Is, or do you identify with the first Adam, or do you identify with the last Adam? And we're gonna, we'll look at the difference in that if, you, if you're not sure what that means or, or what I'm talking about. You'll see that today. 
So, so the question is, you know, uh, we looked last week at Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus asked his disciples the question. The first question he asked them was, who do men say that I am? They, they said, well, some say Elijah, some say Moses, some say, you know, a prophet and this, that, and the other. But then he asked them a more important question. He said, who do you say that I am? And when he asked them that question, Peter, Peter you know, uh, just like he usually was one of the first ones to pipe up, Peter jumped in and, and he, he gave this revelation, he gave this statement. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Jesus at the time he called him Simon Barjona because that was his, his name was Simon. And he said, Simon Barjona, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but this came straight from the Father. I'm paraphrasing that. And, and then he said, from this day, you're not going to be called Simon any longer. He said, but you, he said, but you are going to be called Peter. And that word Peter, meaning a, a rock, part of the rock. And then he said this, he said, Upon this revelation will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now he wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about upon Peter he was going to build his, rock, or his church. He was talking about upon the revelation that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and we talked, you know, one of the nuggets I gave you last week, one of the, one of the great things, the great thoughts to think about is this, is that when Peter got the revelation of the revelation of who Jesus was, it changed his identity. He went from from he went from Simon to Peter. And we talked about how when you understand who you are, when you get a true picture of your identity, it will change the way you act. It will change the way you respond to things. It will change your life. You it will it will make you into a new person when you understand if, when you truly get a revelation of who you are. And hopefully this morning I want to show you that because because you see so many people relate with the first Adam because the first Adam, he missed it. The first Adam, we know, I mean, we're talking about Adam from Genesis, how God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and then, then you know. And the awesome thing about Adam, I love, I love talking about that story and looking at that story about how that uh, through this whole process, through the whole process of, of God creating, he created the earth and he created the animals and he created everything. The last thing he created was man. He created man on, on the sixth day. And then, and then the interesting thing was when, when he brought Adam, when, when he started having a conversation with Adam after, after he breathed into Adam and brought the life into him, um, you know, he, he pulled Adam to the side and he said, now, he said, I'm going to bring all these, he said, I'm going to bring everything I've created and I'm going to bring it before you and you are going to name it. Now, why didn't he just, why didn't he just tell Adam why didn't he just tell Adam, Adam, here's what I created and here's all their names? Because, see, now, now, this, now all this ties in together here because this is very important that you understand this. Because when God created Adam, he put in Adam everything he wanted in mankind. He put in Adam everything that Adam would need. He, he put in him wisdom. He put in him understanding. He put in him, um, you know, everything that Adam would need to be a success. And what God was looking for was this. God wanted somebody to co-labor with him on this earth. And what was it that he told Adam to do? He said, he told Adam, and, and of, of course Adam named all the animals and, and, you know, and, and it's, it's great to think about things like this, but you wonder if, if, if the animals had their, uh, disposition before Adam named them. In other words, you know, did a lion act like a lion before it was a lion? 
Or did it act like a lion when Adam said, you're a lion? I think, I think that's the way it was. God created the animal, and when Adam said, a lion, a zebra, a horse, a monkey, you know, whatever Adam named those animals, that's, what they, that's when they became that. The attributes of their name came when Adam named them. That's the power of our words. Amen. <clears throat> that's a whole other story. I'll give you something to think about. <laughs> but, in the meantime, you know, it says that there was no mate found for Adam. So God put him to sleep, took a rib, you know, made woman. He woke up and he woke up and the way she got her name was, you know, Adam woke up and he said, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, and, oh, okay, woman. That's, you know, okay. So, so she became woman. And, you know, and, and, uh, and God, you know, God, and God gave them, but he gave them the, the charge. What did he tell them? He said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Right? I believe, I mean, and you know, you can't necessarily prove this out in Scripture. I mean, it's, it's kind of just implied in there. But I believe the Garden of Eden was a certain size. And, and as Adam and Eve were to have kids, I believe that what, what God's intention was, was for Adam and Eve to grow the Garden of Eden until it, until it took the whole world over as their kids multiplied. You know, and so he put in Adam everything that they needed to subdue the earth, to, to rule and to reign over all of the earth. But then we know what happened. We know that, that you know, the enemy came in and God warned Adam that this would happen, but yet Adam, um, you know, Adam chose not to listen to God and he chose to go a different route. Eve was deceived, right? Eve was deceived, she took the fruit, but she gave to Adam willingly. Adam sinned, Adam went against God because God told him, the moment that you take that fruit, you will surely die. Well, Adam took the fruit, Eve had already eaten the fruit, Adam took the fruit willingly from her, knowing that as soon as he ate that fruit, he was going to die. God had told him that. So he willingly took the fruit, he, he ate of the fruit, and now he didn't drop over dead physically, but what happened was this spiritually, on the inside, spiritually, he died. Now, here's where, here's where all of this ties in. Because God had put on the inside of Adam the whole mankind race. And when he sinned, when Adam sinned and he became spiritually dead, that meant that every descendant from Adam from that point forward would be born spiritually dead. So therefore, that's the reason that you and that's the reason that I, that's the reason that every person that has ever been born on this earth was born spiritually dead was because of the choice that Adam made in the very, at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden that he made the decision to go against what God said and to go his own way. And when he went his own way, then he became spiritually dead. And from that moment forward, listen, you can trace, you know, everybody does these genealogies and, and all this stuff. But, you know, every single person living on the earth, I believe you can trace your heritage, you can trace your lineage all the way back to Adam. And, and because of that, because Adam sinned and because he became spiritually dead, every person that was born on this, on this earth that was born from a natural birth, was spiritually dead, or is spiritually dead. It's still true today. So one man's sin 
affected all of mankind. Now, the question, the question is always this. And you still hear this question asked in, in different forms and different, different ways. But the question is this. How come Adam's sin affects me? You know, why did what somebody else do bring death upon me? You know, it's not fair that, that his choice brought bad things in my life. But now listen. The whole, the whole way that God designed this, remember, God put inside Adam everything that he wanted mankind to be. The only problem was that Adam went against God and he became spiritually dead. The, the, the good news is this. Because of that law, because of that principle that one man's mess up could affect the whole world, what that meant when a Savior would come... One man's perfection could touch all of mankind just like one man's mess-up did. Now, let me prove this out to you. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5. So the first Adam, our, first, our birth, our birth into this world, when, when our mothers gave birth to us, it automatically identified us with Adam, because we we were born spiritually dead, and you know, and it was because of the transgression, because of Adam's sin. So let's look here in Romans chapter five. Now I'm just going I'm going to read this from the Amplified. I mean, there's just so much in the Amplified I want to pull out, and, I, and to, so we don't have to take the time to jump back and forth. Uh, Joshua put it up there in the on the uh, screen for us in the Amplified, and we'll just read it from here. So this is Romans chapter five. Man, we could read this whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I'm going to skip down to verse 12. Paul said this. He said, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death as the result of sin, so that death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power, because all men sinned. So all because of Adam's transgression, all because of one man's sin, we all become sinners. Verse, 12, or verse 13, he says, To be sure, sin was in the world before ever the law was given. But sin is not charged to men's account where there is no law to transgress. So here, here's what he was saying. Now this is an interesting thought. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Or Adam did, and, and Eve, you know, was deceived, but, but Adam sinned. And from Adam, now you remember the law was given, the law was given by Moses some probably 2,000 years later from Adam. So let me ask you this question. What, what sin or what law did the people that was born from Adam to Moses, what law did they break? We're not told... We're not told that God came down and gave them a new set of laws. We're not told that God told them what was right or wrong. You know, what the law was, what, you know. And, and here he says, he says, you know, where there is no law, you can't break it. So what sin, it, what sin did, our, did all of those people commit? It, they were guilty because of Adam's sin. 
And see, so, so because Adam, because they were born spiritually dead, all those people from Adam to Moses, they still had need of a sacrifice. They still had need to come to God with a sacrifice because now they were spiritually dead all because of Adam. Now, when Moses showed up on the scene and, Moses, and God gave Moses the law, now all of a sudden people are start, they start seeing what the laws were that they were breaking, and, and, you know, and then they tried, to, they tried to keep the law, and we know that the law was never given to try to, to try to make somebody perfect. The law was given to show that we are not perfect, and there's no way that we can keep the law. The law was given so that we would see our need for a Savior. Right? <clears throat> I guess you all thinking this morning. <laughs> you know, so, so, so here, here he says this. He says that, he says that it was not charged to men's account where there is no law to transgress. But verse 14, he goes on to say this, Yet death held sway from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, even over those who did not themselves transgress a positive command or break a positive command or a command from God as Adam did. Adam, now listen to this, Adam was a type, a prefigure of the Christ who was to come in reverse, the former destructive, the first Adam being destructive, the last Adam, the latter, saving. So now see, now all of this, all of this starts connecting. You start seeing. Everybody was guilty because of one man's sin. Whether they, whether they broke any law or not, well actually there wasn't even a law to break from Adam to Moses. But they were still guilty. Because of Adam's sin. But, the, but Paul said that Adam was, was just a type or a shadow of Christ. Now what does that mean? That means, what that means for us, I mean, this, this is shouting ground, what that means for us is this, is that since Jesus was obedient to the death, burial, and resurrection, what that means is just like there was no necessarily a law to break, but they were still guilty, now when you believe in Jesus, now you get everything He got, even though we don't deserve it. Man, that's good. And it just keeps getting better. Let's, let's go on and see. Verse 15. I love this verse in the Amplified. Listen to this. Man, if this don't, if this don't make you shout, I don't know what will. Listen to this. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. God's grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. In other words, he said this. He was, he was talking about Adam being the, the type or the shadow and how Adam's sin affected all mankind, but Jesus being the answer to that, being the anti-type, being the... Being the, the the true figure of what, what Adam was a picture of, he says what Jesus did doesn't even compare. I mean, what he did is so far better than, than Adam's that there's not even a comparison. Don't even compare the two. Don't try to make them equal. Why? Because what Jesus did was a million times stronger than what Adam did. So God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. Now listen to this. For if, if many died through one man's falling away, 
his lapse, or his offense, talking about Adam, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. Mm. Man, that's good. Uh, you, you, take that, you take that scripture and chew on that one a while. That, that'll make you shout. But let's, let's go on here because we, we, we want to get to a place here. Verse 16. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, right? What did God tell him? God said, he said, you'll surely die if you eat this fruit. And the moment that Adam ate, what happened? He died spiritually. You know, and that's the, that's the whole reason when God come looking for him the next day, Adam and Eve hid. And God asked him the question, who told you you were naked? Well, nobody had to tell him. You know why nobody had to tell him? Because they could feel the glory had left. See, they were full of glory. They were, they were surrounded almost like a bubble, like a, like a, a, a force field of, of grace, a force field of glory. The moment Adam, the moment Adam ate that, it was like, phew. It was gone. And the moment that happened, I guarantee you, they looked at each other and thought, boy, we just screwed up. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize it would be that drastic. So what did they do? They hid themselves so that God couldn't find them. Mm. But he says, he says, but this free gift is not to be compared to the, to the effect of that one man's sin for the sentence or following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification, an act of righteousness. Second Corinthians what 5.21 says, says that he who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that, so that we, so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. So see, he Jesus became what we he be, he he uh, he took everything from us. He 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 took sin. He took sickness. He took shame. He took condemnation. He took everything that you and I had on us, and and he he absorbed them into himself, so that when he died on the cross. All of that would die with him. And the reason he did that was so that you and I could be absorbed into him so that we could get everything that he is. All right, hopefully it'll register with you. Let's go on. I mean, I know this might be deep, and I know I'm. Te- I mean, I know I'm teaching some here this morning, but but if you get listen, I promise you, if you get this, if you get why being in Christ is such a powerful thing, it will change everything about you. You'll no longer go around thinking, "Oh, I'm just I, I'm just not strong enough to overcome that temptation." Baloney. You're in Christ. 
The old you, your identification with Adam died on the cross with Jesus. You no longer identify with Adam. You are now identified in Christ. You are now identified as a risen, as, as, as being risen from the grave, free from all of that stuff. It can't touch you. Yeah. That's right. Verse 17. Let's go on. Verse 17. He says this. For if, because of one man's trespass, talking about Adam, his lapse or his offense, death reigned through that one. Now listen. Look look how powerful. Think about how powerful what Adam did. When Adam sinned, it was so powerful that it's still in effect today. The newest baby born in here, I don't know, maybe Kayla's baby, I don't know who the newest baby is that was born. The newest baby we have here at Destiny Bible Church. What Adam did thousands of years ago was so powerful that it still affected little Brooklyn. That's how powerful it was. But do you remember what Paul just said in verse 15? That what Jesus did is so much more powerful that you can't even compare the two. But yet, how many of us, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-believing, people still walk around thinking, oh boy, that devil sure is after me today. Boy, I'm having a hard day. I'm just having a hard time overcoming this. Really? The gift that Jesus gave us can't even be compared to what what you are identifying yourself with right now. And the reason is, is because, because most people just simply do not even know who they are. They have no revelation of what we're talking about right here. Because if they did, and if we did, if we had a full revelation of this, there, I mean... There's, no, there's nothing that could stop us. Verse 17, let's finish reading. For if because of one man's trespass, his lapse or offense, death reigned through that one, much more, everybody say much more, much more, surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, His unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, shall we reign as kings in life through that one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Come on now. Let, let's, let's, let's put our thinking hats on for a minute. What Adam did... What Adam did some thousands of years ago was so powerful that it still affects even the, the, the newest baby that was born on this earth. A baby was born just a second ago. Guess what? That sin that Adam, that sin that Adam committed still affected that baby. Oh, but much more, much more shall the gift that Jesus gave us Shall his, the sacrifice, the, what he did on the cross, much more is the power of that versus what happened on, on, in the Garden of Eden some thousands of years ago. 
that it, so much more it doesn't even compare. In other words, what Paul is saying is really this. What Jesus did should be so strong and so overwhelming and so overflowing. This verse, look at what it says. It says, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness shall we reign as kings in life through the one man. What Paul was saying was this, that if we get a revelation of this, if we understand who we are, that that what, what Jesus did for us should be so overwhelming that we don't even think about what Adam did. That what Adam did doesn't even affect us. Because we have we because now we're not identified with Adam, but we're identified with Jesus, whose gift is so much greater than the mess up that Adam did. Now think about this mindset. How many of you and I've said it, I, I mean I was thinking about this last night, and I, I had to ask for forgiveness because I've said it. We've said things like, Boy, when I get to heaven, the first person I want to look up is Adam, and I'm just going to sock him. You know, for messing my life up. You know, people say things like, Adam's, Adam's mansion is going to have barbed wire all the way around it so nobody can get into it because everybody's going to be after Adam. But wait a minute. Paul said this. Paul said, yeah, Adam's, Adam's transgression was great and it affected all of mankind. But what Jesus did, how much more greater is it? That it should be such a, it should be such, so overflowing in our lives and so powerful in our lives that we don't even think about what Adam did. Because now we have the free gift of righteousness, right standing with God. Now we have the overflowing, what does it say? The overflowing grace that Jesus gave us because of his obedience. Verse 18. Well then, <laughs> he just keeps going. He says, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step, and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. Verse 19, and, we'll, and I'm just going to give you some thoughts here. Verse 19 says this, For just as by one man's disobedience, falling or failing to hear heedlessness and carelessness, many were constituted sinners, so by one man's obedience, that many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with Him. Glory. In order to make all of us shout. You see, because we, we get hung up on the question, well, how come, how come what that one person did affects me? Adam, you know, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the case. And you know what? And here, here's, how it, here's, how it is, here's how it's espoused today. You know, well, how come just because my mom and dad had me in this area, that don't mean that I don't have this, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm, you know, well, well, just because I was born on the wrong side of the tracks or, you know, I, just because I wasn't born with money, just because, you know, and, and everybody's always looking for an excuse. But what Paul is telling us here is this, stop looking for an excuse and start looking to the answer. 
And the answer is the fact that yes, Adam screwed up, and yes, it's messed our lives up, and yes, the world is falling apart because of what Adam did. But the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is in His death, burial, and resurrection. He absorbed everything we were into Himself and He died on the cross. Then when He rose from the dead, the Bible says that you and I rose with Him. And everything that God... Now, everything that God wanted for us, He put in Jesus. So that now that we're risen with Him, and now that we're seated with Him, and now that we're in Him, and now that that when God sees us, He sees us in Christ, now all of that other stuff doesn't matter because we have the answer. Amen. So the same law that allowed one man, Adam, to affect every man is also the same law that allowed Jesus Christ, the last Adam, to take the condition that man had, sin, curse, shame, and death, and it allowed him to absorb them into himself. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says that all of that died with him. Paul said it this way. He says, I live, nevertheless it's not I that live, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So see, now, instead of always looking at the negative, instead of always looking at the flesh, instead of always looking at how come everything is so bad, what we need to start looking at is everything that Jesus gave us when He rose from the dead. In in His resurrection, God deposited everything in Christ that He wanted in man. So God put, now listen to this, it's called the law of identification. And, and here, here's where, here, here's, here's where uh, let me think how to say this. Here's the question that you, we have to ask. Who, who are we identifying with? Because if you're still identifying with, with the old Adam, the, the old man, then you don't yet have the answer. Well, I, I, I won't even say that right. That's not even right. Because you have the answer. If you, if you identify yourself with the old man, you're not using the, the answer that you have. Because I hear people say all the time, well, you know, we still have the old sin nature. You know, it's just the way we are. This old flesh, you know, you can't help. As long as, we, as long as we're living in this body, we're going to sin. We're going to mess up. Who said that? It's a lie. Fake news. Come on. I mean, it's, it's a lie straight from the pit of hell to try to get you to think that you're not an overcomer. To try to get you to think that you're still defeated. Try to get you to think that, he's, that, that the enemy's stronger than you are. But he's not. Amen. So how do you get... Now listen, how do you get out of the old man? How do you change your identity? If all of that was true with Adam, then how do we get this free gift? How do we get all of this stuff that we just read in Genesis, or in Romans chapter 5? Well, the only way... 
that the, the only way that you can be identified with God now, or being identified with the, with the last Adam instead of the first Adam, is what Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. You see, when Adam died, he died spiritually. And when Jesus, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, what did he tell Nicodemus? He said, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can I go back in my mother's womb? But Jesus, you know, when Jesus was having that conversation, he said, but he was telling him, he said, it's not about going, he said, I'm not talking about naturally. He said, I'm talking about spiritually. So your, 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 the, your spirit man was dead until you are born again. And when, when your spirit man gets born again, then you become the new man in Christ. It's the only way. Jesus said, Jesus said, there's one way. He said, I am the way. I am the door. I am the way. I am the light. You know, Jesus said, there's only one way. There's only one, regardless of what people want you to think, the media wants you to think, or Hollywood wants you to think, there's just one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's being born again, so that you're no longer identified with the old man, but now you're identified in Christ, you're identified with the new man, with the last Adam. <clears throat> Listen, the moment you receive Jesus, His death becomes your death. His resurrection became your resurrection. Amen. His righteousness became your righteousness. His victory became your victory. His seeding became your seeding. In other words, what did He say Jesus did? After all this happened, it says He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then what does Paul tell us? He says, you're seated in heavenly places. So see, His seeding became our seeding. His rights became our rights. When God, it's, it's an amazing thing. When God sees us, He no longer sees He no longer sees um, He no longer sees somebody connected with the old man. He sees us in Christ. He sees us engrafted into Him. Amen. His life becomes your life. His blessings become your blessings. So everything God put into Christ now is a excuse me is now on the inside of you. Your identity, listen, this changes who you are. You no, longer can, you no longer can identify with defeat because there's no defeat in Jesus. You no longer can, can identify with sickness because there's no sickness in Jesus. You can't identify with depression because there's no depression in Jesus. If you identify with those things, what you're saying is I'm still identifying with the old man instead of identifying with the new man. It's the whole, you know, Paul calls it this in different scriptures. He calls it, it's the whole put off and put on thing. You've got to put off the old man and put on the new. When sickness tries to come, you gotta you gotta quit thinking like the old man and start thinking like the new man. Start asking yourself, well, how does God see this? 
If God was standing in front of me right now, if Jesus was standing in front of me right now, how would He, how would he talk about this sickness that's trying to come on me? Listen, we don't have time. You don't have time. None of us have time to have one thought in our head that God doesn't think about us. If God's not thinking that thought about you, you shouldn't be thinking that thought about you. Well, but pastor, you just don't know. No. I, no. Quit, thinking like, quit identifying yourself with Adam and start identifying yourself with Jesus. And just, listen, just like Peter, when you, when you get this revelation, all of a sudden it will change who you are. It'll, it'll stop you from becoming weak and, and, and having pity parties to, to over here to Jesus to start drawing from His strength and drawing from, from you know, His wisdom. Amen. So what I wanted you to see today was just simply this. Because see, it's so easy, it's so easy for us to say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just natural. I'm, you know, I just have a natural body, so I'm just, I'm in the flesh. You know, Adam was in the flesh, I get in the flesh every once in a while. I'm just going to do things in the flesh. Well, as long as you look at your life like that, you're exactly right. You'll stay in the flesh. But you don't have to. The Bible, Paul, I mean, man, we, I can give you scripture after scripture. Paul says, Paul says that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. If you're having trouble with sin, if you're having trouble with, with, with things in your life that you're doing and, and can't stop doing, it's because you're connecting with the old man. You need to learn how to, how to disconnect those thoughts and start connecting over here with God's thoughts. Amen. Because in reality, listen, in reality, you're not, you're not connected with Adam anymore. You're still in a flesh and, flesh and bone body. Yes, flesh and blood body. That's true. But we are in Christ. Everything that Jesus did and has is ours. And if we and if and as long as we keep our minds on on carnal things, then we're going to keep getting carnal things. But it's and, and you know there again, Paul said this. Paul said, "Think on these things, things that are holy and pure and of a good report, heavenly things, instead of all the bad and the disaster and the the you know all of the bad stuff." So the question, the question is just simply this this morning. Where's your identity? Who are you? You know, what, what are you allowing, what are you allowing your mind to think about? And what are you allowing the, to, uh, to enter into your, into your eyes and into your ears that shouldn't be there? Because how you see yourself is how you're going to walk. And if you don't see yourself as a son of God, if you don't see yourself as righteous, if you don't see yourself as in Christ, then you're going to keep falling to those things that, that so easily trip you up. But 
Once you realize who you are, once you realize, and we're going to look, we'll look at some more of this next week, we'll start seeing what, what that means for us. In other words, now that I'm in Christ, how should that be affecting my life? Because Paul, and I, I keep, you know, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so we quote a lot from him. But Paul said this, he said, who you, who you yield your members to is who, you, who will be your master. So if I yield my members, if, in other words, he's talking about our body, if, you, if we yield our thoughts, our actions, if we yield our actions and our thoughts to carnal things, then the carnal things will be our master. But if we yield our thoughts and our, our actions to spiritual things, then God will be our master. Just because you're born again doesn't mean that you can't yield yourself to the enemy. We all know that we all know we see we see news reports every day of of big name people doing stupid things. You know, I mean, so just because you're born again doesn't mean that you're no longer going to sin. It means that you have the power not to. But the question is where are you identifying? Who are you identifying yourself with? Who who do you think you are? If, I, if you think you're somebody that has no control over, over your passions, then guess what? You're going to yield to your passions. But if you're somebody now who says, you know what? Those, all those evil passions and evil lusts and evil things that I had in the past, they died on the cross, and now my, my mind is renewed with the Word of God, and I've got God's Word in my heart so that I might not sin against Him. See, all of a sudden now I have the power to say no to those things. Not because I'm so special, but it's because I'm in Christ. It's because of what he is because he's so special. <laughs> Amen. But the first part, now listen, I, I mean, you know, I, I would pray that everybody in here, I pray that we're all born again, but the first the first thing, the the only way you can you can get you can switch your identity is to be born again. Is to give your life to Jesus. If you're here and you've never done that, then man, today would be a great day for you to give your life to the Lord. And because because at, in an instant, when you receive Jesus, in an instant, your identity changes. Amen. It's the greatest choice you'll ever make. And if, and if you've made that choice, then it's the greatest choice you ever made. Amen. And it will continue to be. But from that moment, we still make choices every single day. We still choose the Lord and, and you know over over our flesh. We still we still choose spiritual things over carnal things. And if we don't, then we get bogged down into into this whole thing about, you know, feeling unworthy and feeling like I'm not good enough and feeling like that, you know, this, this and this. I mean, versus walking in our identity of who we who we know that we are because we're in Christ. And that we have the power to say no to those things. Because all of those things were, were taken to the cross and nailed on the cross and made of none effect. Amen. So let's bow our heads and we're, we'll unhook right there and we'll uh, pick back up in a couple weeks <clears throat> with that thought. Father, I pray blessings over each one here today, Father. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, just help all of us get this revelation. Father, make these scriptures in Romans 5 and even Romans 6. Lord, make these scriptures just come alive on the inside of us to help us 
know that, yes, what Adam did was, was bad and, and it affected everybody, but, but Jesus, what you did was so much greater. And it, it was, it, it's not, Paul said that there's not even, you can't even compare the two because what you did, Jesus, was so much greater than, than the little thing that Adam did. So, Father, we, we choose to receive what Jesus did. This morning, Lord, I choose Jesus. I choose the gift of grace, the gift of righteousness, the gift of forgiveness, Lord. I thank you for that. Now, Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you or, or maybe that just needs to get things right with you, Lord, my prayer would be that today would be that day. Father, I thank you for that. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, He's calling. There's no greater time than today to get your heart right with Him. Anybody here just with the lifting of your hand, just say, just say that, you, that, you know, that you don't know the Lord, but you, you really want to get to know Jesus and, and have a relationship with Him. Anybody at all? I always like to give you that opportunity. Let's all just stand to our feet real quick. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I just need prayer. Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you. We'd love to, love to be able to come in agreement with you and whatever the case may be, uh, whatever you need prayer in, we'd love to be able to pray with you. But if you need prayer for anything, we want to invite you to come down and, and we would love to pray with you. If you, need, if you need to rededicate your life or need prayer for healing or to be filled with the Spirit, whatever the case may be, we want to give you that opportunity. God is so good. He loves you and, and He's got such a great plan for you. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I, if I was you... I want to encourage you to go home and read Romans 5 and 6 and study it and, and get you different translations and read, you know, read different translations and look up the meaning of words if you don't know what they mean and, and, you know, and really dig into it because if you truly understand your identity and that your identity is no longer in Adam but now that it's in Jesus, the power of that will set you free. It will set you free. And my prayer today is just simply that you guys, that we all get that revelation, that that revelation grows in us, that every one of us, as we walk out of this place today, we know a little bit more about who we are in Christ. That because... Now listen, y'all look at me just a second and we'll, we'll go. When that revelation hit me some, I don't know, it's been years ago now, but when I realized that the same law that Adam, the same law that Adam broke and that affected all of mankind, that same law was the law that, the, that Jesus used because of his obedience that affected all of mankind. And we make such a big deal out of what Adam did, but yet what Jesus did is so over and above, it supersedes it. It's, you can't even compare the two. That's how powerful what Jesus did for us is. And that's why, now that we're, we were identified with Adam, now we're identified with Jesus. And everything that's in Him is in us, because we're in Him. What a revelation. What a powerful thought. It's, it'll set you free. Amen. I pray that you get that. Amen. I pray that that revelation becomes strong in you. Um, tonight, we have bowling tonight. We've got a fellowship night, 5 o'clock at the bowling alley in Lancaster. We hope all of you can come. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Wednesday night, I'll be, uh, I'll be picking back up on, we, we started a new series on the rapture and on the tribulation and uh, the millennial reign. 